0: Oh my word. Hi friends, Rob here, and it is time for Robcast number 21. And I am here with my friend, Elizabeth Gilbert. You there wanna I say go.
1: hi? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I was just doing a dance forgetting that this is audio.
0: Oh okay. yeah, I, I think they felt you doing a the dance. The little
1: excitement dance this that I This is her did.
0: first time on the Robcast, probably oh not the last,
1: she's pretty excited. Long time listener, first time caller, for real. <laughs> Cause I have listened to every minute of every episode of the Robcast and it is so good. And then I have a little problem, which is that immediately after I listen to it, I regurgitate it on my social media and on Facebook, and I'm like, hey, ready, <laughs> do you have to listen to what Rob said? So I don't know what I'm gonna do with this one. Cause right, cause you end up courting yourself. Yeah, like Rob's friend Liz on oh that's me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that Liz was on fire. Oh
1: my god, she's so much wisdom. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, we have an audience of one, Kristen Bell.
1: Woo-hoo. Hi, Kristen.
0: Yeah, a little woohoo in the corner. And uh, a couple things before we get into this discussion. Um, the Keep Going event mid-June in Southern California. We still have a few spots. would love to see you there. It's all about growth and change and what to do when you're on a path, you're on a journey, and maybe some of the people around you aren't seeing what you're seeing and what do you do with that. Pete Rollins, Pete Holmes, Vicki Beeching, Kristen will be there, Carlton Hughes. Still have a few spots. Would love to see you there. And then, secondly, dates are on my site now for the Everything Is Spiritual tour. The first 32 dates of the tour. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: my idea of a good time. And you're going to come out to the tour. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going
1: to be there in New York. That's
0: um, yeah, doing town hall in New York City, doing Tabernacle in Atlanta, doing the Electric Factory in Philadelphia. We'll be all over the country. Would love to see you there. More on that. But right now, it is a Robcast with my beloved friend Liz. Okay, so I just read your new book, Big Magic, which is coming out in September, and it's just extraordinary. So let's start here. In the book, you tell about the vow that you made for writing. Mm. Can you talk about that? Because that that section of the book is so helpful, and for people who are familiar with your work, Mm. it's such um, like a behind the curtain. I just found that really, really extraordinary.
1: Okay, first of all, I have to say this is interesting for me because this is the first time I've spoken about Big Magic in any sort of public way. This is oh, my yeah. first interview about it, so I don't have anything in the chamber. You know how yeah, normally right, like, when right, a book right. is out for a while and then you have your pat answers? There so are seven questions. I am literally having to think about what you're asking me and yeah. uh, make sure that I have a question. So the thing is about the vow. So yes, You knew you
0: wanted to be a writer.
1: I knew I wanted to be a writer, and when I was about 16 years old, I took a vow. I, I felt like it was a vocation. And the way that a young woman of a very, very different disposition from me might take a vow to become a nun, I took a vow to writing, knowing that I was probably taking a vow to poverty, although not celibacy <laughs> in my case. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and, and I felt like I needed, there is no ritual associated with choosing to become an artist. There are no holy rites that you can take. There isn't a sacrament, yeah. you know. But I revered it to that level. And and so I made up my own ritual, which is something I've done many, many times in my life since about other things. I think when there's not a ritual available, you're allowed to invent one. Um, and you're allowed to to say this is holy now because I'm making it holy and I'm saying it's holy. Yeah. Um, and the vow that I made, it was very specific. It was I will devote myself to a life of writing. And I didn't vow that I would be good at it because I didn't know if I could be. And I didn't vow that I would be successful at it because I certainly didn't know if that was in my realm. I just promised I would do it, um, that that's it, we're doing this. And the other part of it that was very specific was I didn't, it's it's almost like what I didn't ask of writing. I didn't ask for it to deliver anything in return. I said, Mm. the vow I made to it was I said, I love you. It was a love vow. I said, I love you and I will devote my life to you and you don't have to give back anything other than what you already give back. I will never ask you to support me financially i will always support you financially that was a really big important thing and i and i say that a lot of times to people who are embarking in creative journeys and they want it they're like i don't know if i can make a living out of this or i'm like it's not creativity's job to support you right it's your job to support it like you can be a waitress and you can pay the bills and you can let this thing just be the thing that it is it doesn't live in our realm if you yell at creativity and say why aren't you making money for me? It's like yelling at a cat. It doesn't even know what you're, why your face looks like that. It doesn't even know what you're talking about. And I watch people kill yeah. and murder their creativity all the time because of this associated expectation with it that I'm not really an artist unless this thing is paying my way. So I don't know where I got that very early on that I'm not going to do that to this. And it's otherwise yeah. i kill the joy of it. And I can take care of myself where, and you writing.
0: <laughs> where did you get writing? Did you see somebody that wrote that you or was it just the love of books? Did you know mind.
1: any writers? No, oh my God, no, my parents are Christmas tree farmers. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I didn't and but we had a really booky house. My dad grew up in a family where books were really important, and my mom grew up in a family where books were not important, and she felt the loss of that. She felt like she'd grown up in a kind of parched cultural landscape, and so for different reasons. My dad, because it was inher- his inheritance, he loved literature. So he always had books around And My mom, because she felt like she hadn't been given that, wanted us to have that. So the library was like our church. And my oh, sister, wow. my older sister, who's also a writer, um, I just was so lucky because I had this older sister who was like Scheherazade. And we didn't have a TV. My parents were like sort of Spartan. in the way that they lived, we didn't have neighbors. We had to make our own worlds. And I had this, sister who was so far ahead of me intellectually and creatively who made invented these landscapes for us to live in that we would play in for days the two of us so we were like time traveling cave kids who had like a pet brontosaurus but because my sister had just read a biography of fdr one of us had polio like she was always folding in all these things that she brought into the world and so i think like that's where all the good great stuff was i it never occurred to me to do anything else but engage in that
0: fascinating by the way the first time I ever preached I had the exact this is why I'm here Mm. but it was overwhelmingly it doesn't it's not about whether I'm good at this or not this will get me up in the morning so it's really interesting in the book and I read that I had like a this is why I'm here this is what I'm supposed to do and it it doesn't I don't need anything from it I do this
1: Right. It's um, enough.
0: It is enough. It gives
1: enough. It doesn't have and to be And I
0: demand. distinctly remember having like the, like uh, I don't money or success or whatever. This is actually the thing that will fill me with life
1: and that's all that matters. I like that you always talk about the thing that will make you excited to wake up in the morning. That's a phrase I've heard yeah. you say so many times, but I think that's a really important thing. The
0: Japanese have a word for it, which is in my new book. Um a key guy. It's literally your reason for being. And it was always assumed that your key guy took lot, like uh, lots of reflection. Mm-hmm. And throughout your life, you had to keep asking penetrating questions about why am I here? What is my reason for being? And that when you don't have an, a key guy, you're, you're wow. like over. You're dead even if you're not dead. Wow. So you, um, you start writing and you write and you write and you write and you waitress and you work on a cattle ranch. Yeah. I love some of that. <laughs> And you just yeah. give yourself to the craft.
1: And to the collecting of stories. Because, you know, this the fundamental piece of advice that everybody always gives to young writers is write what you know. But, hey, guess what? If you're young and you grew up in Connecticut, <laughs> guess what you know? Practically nothing. <laughs> Practically nothing. You know, yeah. like I knew enough to know that I didn't know anything. And I didn't have any experiences. So I felt like the way I had to feed the, the hopper of writing. I had all this creativity and i wanted to create things i didn't have anything to talk about Mm -hmm. so i was really disciplined about getting experiences in the world you know like okay now comes the part where i'm going to work at this diner in west philadelphia now comes the part where i'm going to go out west and work on a ranch now i'm going to go to mexico now i'm going to meet these kind of people now i'm going to you know and just constantly taking notes and dialogue and collecting just collecting 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 material because i didn't have any material yeah um there wasn't really much to say about what you know, and there were, a girl who's a good student who grows up in Connecticut, <laughs> who stays after school to clap then, erasers. And, you know, like <laughs> I love the uh,
0: eraser clapper. Kristen's an eraser clapper. Yes,
1: I introduced you guys at dinner. It's a whole
0: term. genre of person who is the te- sort teacher's of pet. teacher's pet, always volunteering, does all the extra credit, totally breaks the curve for the rest of us.
1: Yeah, does. <laughs> Answers the extra credit question. Anne Patchett, my friend, gave me that term. She she looked at me one time and she said, "Oh, I know you. You know, <laughs> you're like me. a Couple of eraser clappers from way back. <laughs> um, so so yeah. And I didn't go to graduate school. I made my own graduate school program. After I just thought this is my education. I'm this is my education is the world to listen to as many different voices as I can, and um, to try out all this different stuff. Try to write like a Southern Gothic novelist, even though I'm from New England. Didn't really work, but try. Try to write, like, um, Cormac McCarthy. That was a bad stage. (laughs) Try to write, like, try imitating everything you see. Like, just try. Working every day, writing every day, writing every day, writing every day. And sending stuff out and getting rejected, 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 rejected.
0: And then you get a, a couple articles. Yeah. And then you write your first novel.
1: Yeah. I wrote a short story collection first, but then a novel, but yeah.
0: And it's, you're doing it. You're doing it. You kept, I love that you kept your job, your, your regular job, your paycheck job.
1: Three books. in. Eat, pray, love was the, and even when eat, pray, love came out. Okay. When eat, pray, love, this is how much I believe in a day job. When eat, pray, love was a number one bestseller. I was still going to the flea market in Lambertville, New Jersey every weekend and selling trinkets off a picnic table because I felt like no way, way, because I felt like, i don't want to ever 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 like i only just relaxed into this recently to believing it's like i don't want to put the pressure on this art that i love that it has to support me yes so i just always want to have other streams of income so that this never like i can't tell you how many people i have watched i yep. sit back and i yep. watch them i watch an amazing artist and they may have like a season of their lives where they're able to live off their art and then they whatever happens the market changes they can't do it and they the rage and the and the and the tension and the anxiety and the stopping working yeah that they fall yeah. into yeah and this insistence this just really stubborn insistence that's like I'm a working artist working artists make their money off their work and I'm like just get a job just get a job at a coffee shop. Oh my you, word. You have time. You don't paint 14 hours a day. You paint like an hour a day. <laughs> right. The rest of the time you're just freaking out. Like it's better for you to not do that. It's better for you. but that is probably my super yankee upbringing.
0: No, because I all the time when people ask, I'm like, Starbucks has great benefits. Like you can no free yourself. In- there's you can free yourself from all of that stress and tension with, like, there are places where you could and then you're free to, like, make your stuff. Yeah. You can just make it. You and don't have to put all this weight on it. Or
1: whatever that means, then the stakes are just so much less.
0: So, so you write Eat, Pray, Love. I think you said you were out of the country. Tell me one time you were out of the country when it came out.
1: Well, I was in the, the first country when it first came out, and, but I was out of the country when it rocketed. Ex- My attention wasn't on it because it came out in hardcover. It did it fine, but it was not like any, it wasn't what it became. It became what it became in paper. How
0: long after it came out did it?
1: A year later, a year after it came out. So during that year when it was sort of growing with its own organic energy, I was in exile with my now husband who had just gotten deported. We were in Southeast Asia and we were dealing with the, United States Department of Homeland Security, Trying to get back into America. We had a bunch of other stuff on our plate, and I just wasn't even watching that while it was happening, except for that every once in a while we get an email from my publisher saying it's weird how the numbers aren't dropping. Like you're not selling gangbusters with Eat, Pray, Love, but it's like we're six months and it should just be done, but it's not. So something's happening. People are buying it. They're giving it to their friends. And what did you think at that point? Did were you just like? Oh, that's interesting. I was like, Wow, well, that's never ha-. Like, yeah, that's great. That's that's wonderful. I need to get a visa for this. <laughs> 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 we don't have a home. Like, but you had done. You know, um, what are we gonna collection do? I of short so stories? On that. Two novel, novels. A collection of short stories. A novel. Which
0: had won awards. I mean, they, they had been recognized. Yeah, they did. It's they not did, total it and yeah. not obscurity. No,
1: they were they were good. And based. then a no. memoir, and which then, is
0: completely out of.
1: And then the Last American Man, the one that was yes. like the biography, and then the memoir. Yeah, so it was the fourth. It was the fourth book.
0: And it's a, it's not a, something you read, You hadn't written in this genre, whatever you want to say, before. No. And then you're on the other side of the world getting emails. Hey, it's not doing badly. that Badly. <laughs> why isn't It's this not. It's your book is not doing <laughs> why, badly.
1: Why is? Why and, is your book not like turned to dust already, like it they normally do after two and a half weeks? And then um, at a
0: year mark, it it goes. It just bonkers. went bonkers. Like. It just went. It just went. And, and then it, you come back to the States.
1: It came back to the States and went on a paperback tour. And the, I think the first event I did had my... Like, for me, at that point, my life to have, like, 30 people in a room come and listen to me was pretty amazing. Like, with The Last American Man was the book I'd done that was best, probably the biggest event I ever did, had, like, 25 people and in a bookstore, you know. And I came back, and the first event of Eat, Pray, Love was like that. And then each... It was just, like, two weeks, but, like, each one... It was like exponential, exponential. It like, it's what the word viral comes from. It was like a, an Ebola map in a nightmare. And, and you're going back to your hotel room? And I was like, what's going on? And night. then the last one I did, we drove up to the bookstore at like Warwick's in San Diego, I think. And oh, I've done And there yeah. were lines for Deep wrapped around the block. And I was like, what's going on here tonight? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing? Yeah, who's in town? And that's when I sort of realized, what's this? What's this? What's this? And did you have? Still asking. Did you have
0: guides? Did you have friends? Did you have anybody who'd been through anything that sort of?
1: I didn't have any friends who had jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Much less like wild success. No, but you know what I. (laughs) You know what I think is, I will tell you very sincerely. This is that. A thing people say to me sometimes is, wow, it must have been so crazy what happened after Eat, Pray, Love. And I always think, you don't understand the arc of my life. The crazy was before Eat, Pray, Love. The sanity was after Eat, Pray, Love. So the world went a little crazy around the book, but my sanity was after that. My insanity was when you never heard of me. Like, that's when I was an insane person. That's when I was just messing up breaking relationships like just lost fragmented a million miles an hour in different pieces so unintegrated so Mm. uncertain so just just a mess you know and doing just crazy 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 things and not knowing why and having terrible consequences and then i lost you know i like lost my footing and had my breakdown and then did the therapy discovered prayer you know found the community of people whose ideas about the world made sense, Like disciplined myself to create boundaries so I wouldn't cause chaos for myself and other people, met a really loving person, grew up, right? Mm. And then this thing exploded, and everyone's like, your life must be so crazy. I'm like, no, for the first time, it's not. Right. (laughs)
0: You you were actually at a place where you could handle it. Yeah. And if it would have happened earlier, you would have.
1: I would have been getting out of limousines with no underwear. <laughs> I would have been like, you know, like it just would, I would have yeah. not been, Hello Cleveland. Would have yes. been ready to be like, I would just not, it would have not been good. Yes. So, so I just felt like, well, this is interesting. You know, um, here's a tornado that's happening around a person who is not a tornado. Like I'd been, a yeah. t- you know, like all of that stuff I had, I was old enough, I was sane enough, I was in the right relationship, I was in the right so that I could watch it with like that little bit of detachment and be like, This is cool, this is great. And I also felt this sense of, This is a blessing. What a gift. What an amazing gift. And and now one of my jobs in life is to not turn this into a curse. To yeah. not say, Oh my God, this kill like this took away my creativity. It you know, I couldn't stand the attention. It at all I was like, no, your job is to hold your space and hold your state so that you can continue to do this work you've always loved and just Be cool for two minutes and not lose your mind over this because then what a pity that would be to be given the grace and the gift of this amazing success and then later in life say that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, like don't turn a gift into a curse, there's enough natural curses. Life is hard enough, <laughs> life's yeah. hard enough when something really good happens, try not to make it into something bad. <laughs> that just seems
0: like a really <laughs> really basic, thing. very straightforward,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, sometimes people act all concerned, like, hey, pray a lot, must have been really hard. I was like, no, that was really 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 lucky that Was a really lucky thing
0: yeah yeah
1: um it was a thing to be managed but it was a really lucky thing and it was a good thing.
0: and what strikes me especially when we when we get to big magic you had given yourself to the craft to the discipline to the hard work of actually learning how to be a great writer so um eat pray Love is also it's just really great writing which often when something becomes a phenomenon the actual hard skills of it get left behind like that hit single and everybody in whatever there's actually it's played well. It's like good songwriting. It's like song. You know what I mean? Oh, like right. there's People just an there's undergirding. Like
1: yeah. It's also a written thing. It's not just, it's a just
0: like, thing. you didn't just like, Oh, and then, <laughs> then i like my fingers are just moving on the keyboard. No, it's like years and years and years of muscle skill building. Um, and so, and then they want to make a movie of it uh-huh. with Julia Roberts. And does that come in an email or a phone call? How does that (laughs) work? We were in Cambodia.
1: (laughs) We were in Cambodia. I was in Cambodia when that email came. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's something where I had a little experience with that because I wrote an article for GQ years ago about working at a bar called Coyote Ugly. Oh, yeah. And then Disney bought that and they made a movie. Made a movie. That you may have heard of. Yes. Called Coyote Ugly. So I'd already... (laughs) <laughs> sort of you creation. had one round of that I had one round of that so I had enough of that to know okay this probably won't happen um I also had a, I had a few stories at GQ there was this little I was on this little pathway in a while and where I had like four stories in a row that got optioned for movies in a really weird way and three of them didn't happen and one of them did so I knew I already had this perspective of like okay mostly yeah. this doesn't happen
0: yeah um you bet about 250 yeah maybe
1: maybe um best thing to do is stay out of it Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about this movie business. They do. They barely do themselves, right? Like it's such a crazy world. Um, if you're lucky enough to sell this, just very politely cash your check <laughs> and be <laughs> grateful. Yeah, and and then let it go because it's not yours. It's se- if you sell it, it's not yours anymore. And and I, it's another thing I've just seen from watching people sell movie rights, and then they kind of lose their minds over what happens to their property, and they're like, oh, "Their wow, precious my, baby, my precious baby, it's not mine anymore." Like they, and like yeah, but you sold it. It's like selling your house and then driving by your house for years and being like, "They took down the pergola," you know, like it's not yours. You sold it. You Once didn't you have did, to sell it. You didn't and you sell did. It. You didn't yeah. have sell it. You get to kept your pergola and your swimming pool and everything. So I I thought, well, and I kind of have this thing where I feel like there's a flow of what things want to be. So I thought, well, I guess e love wants to be a movie. It's old enough to drive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I didn't know you wanted to be a bestseller. Like it's that one kid you have. Who's like, what do you even do? I don't even know. Like, so I just said, I'm not going to stop this from being anything that it wants to be, but I'm also not going to hook too much of myself right, to right, right. the outcomes. Cause the important thing is like, well, what do I want to make now? You know? Um, and so it's this weird balance of trying to honor it and be respectful and be grateful and at the same time move on, but not move on in a jerky way like, yeah. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> right? I've already answered that question. <laughs> like, I'll answer questions about any love forever. That's fine. Um,
0: and then, then comes committed about marriage, mm-hmm. which comes out of a very personal, oh my word, I'm going to marry this man. Because the government, told me, the
1: government to. told me I had to. Because <laughs> the
0: government told me I had to. Shotgun wedding. And then you get the idea for a novel about botany in the 1800s in Philadelphia. Yeah. Which becomes the signature of all things. Which, everybody right now, stop, buy this book, and then keep listening. Because it's so unbelievably good.
1: Thank you. So
0: that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about signature of all okay. things. Because then a novel comes about flowers and botany and a woman named Alma who goes on a whaling ship and like what would you, what do you, when people, what are the questions people most ask you about the the novel? Mm, About signature of all things. I think that
1: people, you know, what happens is after you love, you love becomes year zero. Your entire history is erased. So people don't know that I'm, they don't know that I used to ever be, they don't know. Actual writer who, they don't know anything about that. And nor should they like, who can keep track of everybody? Like, you know, um, it's not anybody's job to keep track of my biography. So right. what will happen is people will say to me, like, um, do you think you'll ever write another bo- a book? And I'm like, I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you know." Yes. Um, but why would you know That's not your job to know that. So I think there was a surprise where people thought, oh, now you want to try to write fiction. That's new. And for me, it's like, no, this is a homecoming. This is my first language. This is my mother tongue. My first two books were... Fiction. I never thought I was going to write nonfiction that was the accident like this is this is what I set out and like to the, do this uh, is what I did for normal. a decade yeah you know? and this is just me having time and space to go back to the thing that that is my natural speech pattern um it just looks different and weird to you because yes. you have no reason to know what I was doing for the 15 years before You Pray Love came out, and what you know, again, it's not your problem, yeah, to know yeah, that. yeah, 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 no, know? no. So it looks like this whole new world, but for me, it was so comforting to go back to my motherland in a way like a big, heavily right. researched piece of exploratory fiction. I've never written historical fiction before, but um, that was fun. It was fun not to write in my own voice, it was fun to, especially after. Eat, Pray, Love committed both memoirs, both my own voice, and then years of talking in my own voice about those two books. It was really great to just fold myself up like origami. And
0: For, Chris and I would be reading that book and be like, a human being made this. Oh there are literally parts in that novel where I'm like, I didn't know you, but I was like, this woman, Elizabeth, like, a human being made this. And I know people can relate to that when you hear a piece of music or you see a building or you see somebody act in some way and you think, somebody did that. And there's this question for those of you who have stopped and you're now listening to the podcast because you've written, read the novel. And Wait, I read they it back.
1: stopped, read a 700 page novel, and then came back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm going to get a sandwich almost, and I'm going to read this book and then I'll listen to the rest of It's almost
0: offensive if somebody just listened to this straight through. <laughs> It's I almost if I had some like secret NSA software that could go in the mic, out the inter interweb to them and track them and be like, you didn't read this. But it just raises it it raises such profound questions about what's um what's animating the universe, where is it headed, why are we wired to move beyond ourselves? Um this is a lot of this summer this everything is spiritual tour I'm doing is a there are some similar themes in there because there's this question that sort of drives the whole story was the lead character's sister. And this one question that can't be answered.
1: Why are people kind? Yes. Why do people do things that are not in their own self-interest? There is still not a United scientific answer on
0: that that makes sense. But it happens and there's lots of evidence for it. By the way, you one time said to me that your parents didn't you grew up with no religious bag, baggage
1: well not baggage a little teeny teeny but just enough information <laughs> <laughs> about what we call the bible and god so that it was like not strange they were not they were so i want to say agnostic in a way of saying they were so they they didn't have their own either like fundamentalism or anger or rejection of anything they my mom was really into volunteering and helping the community. She likes singing hymns. We went to a very Yankee Protestant church. Little light on the message. You know, like. What was the message? was the, the message? message? was, I
0: don't even. Be a good I, citizen. Vote.
1: Be, like, um, you, you know, turn the heat down, wear a sweater. Like Yankee, you know, like, like kind of Yankee
0: pragmatism. Yeah, pragmatism.
1: Yeah, like a, a very kind of. Puritanical sort of, um, you know. Uh, oh, interesting! Um,
0: like, like austere wooden austere benches wooden and beaches,
1: white walls. Um, a little discomfort with miracles.
0: Like what we, what um, those of us hearing you describe that the thing we have in our head is actually probably what it was. Yeah. And it's cold in the winter.
1: It's cold 10 months out of the year. <laughs> and it's boring. And nobody, it's not supposed to be, nobody's charismatic. Um, they don't trust charisma. It's its interesting because I am super excited by magic, miracles, and charisma. But that was not the flavor of the religion that I personally grew up with. Like, and i But I feel like I, you know, it's a Bible study. And I, I don't remember anybody ever, like, what I would think of as preaching, you know? Um, yeah. It was very, like, I remember, like, tea sandwiches and coffee right. after I remember the pageant. I don't remember, like, a lot of infusion of right a message about it. was
0: like, it's fine that you believe that, but just don't get all hot and bothered by it.
1: Just, just keep it in your pants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, exactly. You know, exactly. Like, just keep it calm. Just keep it calm. Even the minister was, like, a little uncomfortable talking about Jesus. I, I feel like it was just a, it was, that's how I remember it. And, and they really carefully, like, they were... What is it? What are they? Uh, congregationalists. So they have to change ministers. Is the law that they have to change ministers every five years so nobody gets too entrenched. Oh, like
0: term limits? Yeah,
1: they do. <laughs> it's so practical. Oh, really? They really oh, love okay, do. Oh, okay, because somebody
0: would get too too much power. It's so, or that, too much.
1: No, it's so that nobody gets oh, too much fascinating. power. Um, and so you have to switch up ministers all the time, and they're really suspicious of people who are a little too excited. Um, it's so Yankee. It's so like old Yankee. And then, of course, I go to India, and I'm like, you know, I'm doing like all I'm going, you know, but I didn't have anything to undo. What I think I told you was that yeah. I didn't have, I hadn't been fed toxic religion so that I had something to detox from. I felt like it was a bit of a sort of a clean slate that everything was interesting to me and everything was open. You know what I mean? Like, and that's
0: what, that's part of the power of eat, pray, love is you are truly exploring, not just running from something that didn't work. Right. You're actually just what's out there.
1: Or proving the evil people in my hometown wrong. You know, or like, like I didn't have an agenda against, I was just like, I I want to find a pathway to God that's comfortable for me. So let's look at all these things and ask all these questions. So I think, and I didn't even know that that was something special till a friend of mine who grew up in a very hardcore, very heavy, very oppressive um, fundamentalist. Family said you're so lucky that you didn't have anything that you had to unstitch mm. before you could begin your search. You know, um, you just got to step out of the door and be like, what's out here? You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> without, no, that, without all that baggage.
0: So okay. what do, uh, what do you say when you meet people who are all tied up and they can't have any thought about God, magic, miracles, big, is all bound up in this thing they're coming from. Do you get questions about that much? Not as much as you do. Cause I know you <laughs> yeah.
1: get, I know we talked about how mm. we each have our standard question that people ask. And that is not something that people come to me for. People come to me and ask for permission to go on an adventure. And, and they already have the idea of what they want to do, but they have to go to the principal's office and get a note that says Uh, that you're allowed to leave your miserable marriage. You're allowed to quit your miserable job. You're allowed to learn a language for no reason. You're allowed to study modern dance at the age of 50. You're allowed, like whatever the thing, like they, but it's, that's what I feel like people come to me and I see in their eyes that they're just like, please just say yes, please just say yes, that I'm allowed, that I'm not selfish that I'm not a hor- like the selfishness thing is what people come to me for is they want relief from the terrible burden of considering that it's selfish for them to want something wonderful for themselves. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I am so happy to be proselytizing about that, you know? Like, yeah, right, um, right, right. I am more than happy to, I have a speech to give them about that, you know, in the way that you have a speech to give people who are all tied up and, and caught up in the That's what
0: struck me when we would do those Q&As together. Um, is how there were certain things where like the question would the person would be asking the question, and one of us would start to squirm like like T ball practice like oh oh, I am ready for this one, <laughs> please
1: <laughs> I, I can do this one in Mandarin, I know how to answer this question, you know like yeah, um, so so that's I feel like that's what I feel like if you if you acquire a certain corner of the spotlight of the crazy three ring tent circus of culture and you have this little piece, there's usually some one thing people want from you. And, mm. and, and I feel like it's a bit of a public service to offer it, you know? Yeah. Um, like I don't mind being, I'm happy to be that person for as long as people will have me be that person. Ah, uh, It's wonderful. Right. You know, it's wonderful. And then people come up to me and say, you know, I, I read your book five years ago. And I went to Thailand, you know, um, or I did whatever the things I adopted a kid, you know, I, and the greatest thing to be a permission slip, like a walking permission slip for, especially for women yeah, to allow themselves to have some agency over joy.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I could, um, on our Oprah arena tour, sitting there in the front row, listening do you give that talk eight times and it was great all eight times by the way it was awesome but w- the feeling in the room like you when you say i'll be happy to give that permission slip but like it's like you were just passing out permission slips the the visceral almost like cellular feeling in the room of, of people oh, i can do this oh it's fantastic it's fantastic to watch okay so eat pray love sells 12 million copies then there's another book and then another book. And now we come to the book that's coming out soon that everybody's stopped a second time. The Robcast in order to pre-order, which is big magic, which I just read
1: efficiently. Just do it. Just do it in what? like go on Amazon and just put both in the shopping cart at the same time. You want them to just You don't understand
0: my people. These people are serious. Okay. These are not I'm hobbyists. Tr- I'm going
1: to trust you. These are these
0: people are serious <laughs> about doing things right. Um, I just finished Big Magic. How do you it, – it's – oh, my word. I want to know where to start. How do you describe it?
1: It's a permission slip. Oh, okay. It's a oh, permission slip in permission book form. It's a slip in book form, but in this case, it's very specifically about creativity because I feel like I, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling around talking to people, and people tell me the amazing, creative, inventive things that they're doing – Or that they're dreaming of doing, but mostly they tell me about the amazing, creative, inventive things that they want to do but cannot do because they're scared, and and the fear is so big. The fear is such an obstacle, and I feel like mostly what I talk to about people is their fear. Um, And then you know, fear is fear has all these secret costumes that it, you know, just it, it shows up in so many different disguises. It shows up as perfectionism. It shows up as dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, like dignity is like fear in a very, very fancy mean coat. Um, just pretending <laughs> that it's not fear, but every time I see it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, I, I know what you a, are." Nice try with the the bead pearls. <laughs> I still know what you are. Your fear. You know, um you don't want to embarrass yourself. Like, there's all these different ways that fear arises in people's life, and I feel like the two central theses that I'm thinking as I'm going here. Like, what are the, the two main messages of, of Big Magic? One is that. Don't try to kill the fear because fear and creativity are conjoined twins. And if you want to live a creative life, then you will have to make a lot of space for fear. And one of the ways that I see people kill their creativity is by trying to kill off their fear because it's so discomforting for them to experience it and they don't want to have it. And so they don't do the things that make them scared and then they don't get to have creative, curious, inventive, interesting, expanded lives. So it's really worth it to have the fear so that you can have the creativity. You just have to create a big enough internal expansive space that they can coexist. So the book's a lot about how to do that. And then the second piece is this idea of an animistic mutual relationship that exists between human beings and inspiration, which is the fundament of everything I believe in everything I've based my entire creative life on. And that's where all my magical thinking comes in. My unapologetically irrational magical thinking. Yes. Which Which you start the book with. I was like right up front.
0: miracles, magic.
1: I believe in miracles and magic. I live my life based on miracles and magic, and here is the essence of the message. Inspiration wants to work with you just as much as you want to work with it. It's the antidote to the tormented artist stereotype. The tormented artist is that you are at war with art, art is at war with you. It is a struggle. By your suffering, your badge of honor shall be known. How much you are killed by what you are making is the proof of how legitimate you are as an artist you have to wrestle this thing you have to fight it till one of you dies either inspiration or you it's a death match it's super mm-hmm. macho it's mm-hmm. super european very masculine it's big time testosterone energy it's very german romantic it's it's very contemporary really it's like the last 200 years that this has become the ethic of art i do not think oh that really how people made art for all of history i think people made art in a more trickster way, um, a more playful way, a more light yeah. way, and then I think it just got kidnapped by martyrs, you know. And so yeah, I love that
0: part in the book where you talk about martyrs and tricksters. Martyrs
1: and tricksters, right? Like you kind of have to choose what camp you're in. But in like what I believe, I could not ever make anything if I did not believe that the idea wants me to make it as much as I want to make the idea and. It's trying to help me. It's just that it comes from a different world and it doesn't quite speak my language. And it's but it's sitting there on the edge of my desk wanting me to work, wanting to be made manifest, and it needs a human to bring it into the real world. And it's picked me and I will show up and help it and it's trying to help me and we're working together to make something that neither one of us can do alone. And it's a relationship. And it, it wants you, and it comes in your consciousness, and it sends you coincidences, and it makes you excited about things, and it puts clues in front of you. It's doing all it can. And mostly all people want to be is pissed off at it, you know? Like, mostly people just want to be mad that it's not easier. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be easy. It's amazing. It's miraculous. Yeah. Why do you want it to be easy isn't it enough that it's magic? Like, that's what my book's about. <laughs> oh, nice. So, um, anyway. Well,
0: it's interesting you say that because there's this Latin phrase, ex nihilo, out of nothing, mm-hmm. which theologians often have used to talk about creation. And it struck me recently that when I tried to, like, lead like a church, like, be like a, and, like, do staff meetings and stuff, I could mess up a one-car parade. Like and people say, like, what's your vision? I'm like, I don't, I don't have the next week organized. But when my life was about making the next thing, that if I don't make it, I will spontaneously combust, like the drummer in Spinal Tap. Um, <laughs> and that my joy and my path has been the ex Nilo, something out of nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: And that the the magic of coming up with an I this the the Robcast, like, what if I just sat at my desk and talked into a mic with no, with my son's mic with no production. and no, like I even had everything ultimately as an idea that I need to make that I need, for myself because I'm going to go crazy if I don't make it. Right. And then other people resonating with it is such grace upon grace, frosting on the cake. Like, are you kidding me? Someone listened? Um, but that fundamental miracle of something out of nothing is so – at like at the center and how the different ways you ex- come at that in the book?
1: Well, you know, the, it's, it's your inheritance, you know, um, people act like art is this very foreign, very difficult, very, like it's a road of trials, right? Yeah. And what they forget is that it's your natural inheritance. Look at a human being, look what it's made out of. We have the senses for it. We have the deep memory for it. We have the imagination for it. We have the emotional intense sensitivity for it where we feel things at a level that apparently no other species in the world does. We have the dreamscape for it. We spend like a third of our life in a dream world in another consciousness that we remember. When we wake up, we have this amazing machinery that's all about mystery and magic and awareness and consciousness. We have these incredibly heightened senses. We've got the digits for it. We've got the long lifespan for it so that you have time to develop mastery. Like Every single thing about the way a human is constructed is made as a receptacle of inspiration.
0: And when you're a kid, you naturally intuitively do this with no struggle
1: until you're not piece like, by
0: piece you let it you're go. You're not like, it's a rainy day and you're not like, these sofa cushions won't, I'm trying to make a
1: fort. And bay- Stop fighting against me, fort. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> This Maybe Batman card that, that I'm trying to draw. Right. Like It's just, it doesn't want to be made. Maybe if I
0: bled more, these Legos <laughs> would arrange themselves.
1: Maybe if I like abuse the people in my life um, and punish them for loving me, then my right. art will be better in mm. my in my Disney crayon book, you know, like, No one ever said,
0: like, (laughs) I'm just suffering from my Legos.
1: (laughs) Or just looked at the Legos and was like, I can't look at this blank slate. I'm a three-year-old boy, and all I see is the blank page of the empty Legos. I can't, like, we're made to do this. I feel like one of my favorite questions to ask people is, at what age did you give up? And I give a list, like, how old were you when you stopped drawing? How old were you when you stopped singing? How old were you when you stopped dancing? How old were you when you stopped like making up imaginary songs and played yeah. with your friends? Like, and mostly people can tell you like, oh, I was like eight. The last time I was 10, I was 12. There's some time around the journey where like piece by piece, we drop every single one of those things. And then yes. you're just left with a career. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: The other night we're <laughs> right? at dinner. You
1: replace it with a career.
0: The other night, last week at dinner, we're finishing dinner, family table, and our six-year-old daughter, Violet, says, I, I have a song. Let's go jam. Because we have drums, bass, and guitar and a mic in the garage. Because cool. we, my once on Preston, I play a lot of music. Um, so we go out in the garage. And I say, who do, you, who do you want to play? And she's like, I want Trace on drums, a dad, you, and Preston on guitar. And then she gets a mic. And I say, well, what's this song called? And she says, it's called Rain Falls Down. Sure. So Trace okay. starts playing a beat. And Preston and I start playing a little groove, and she does "Rain Falls." She does a song. She like just spews a song, including the what was the line? "When you're half inside and half outside, you get a little wet." It's four minutes straight of lyrics. "Rain falls down." I'm on, and I'm watching her totally unselfconscious make up a song on the spot at the mic. In the garage, Kristen is filming it on her camera without letting Violet see that because... That would be the end of it. And I have this moment like, oh, dear God, I hope in 10 years she's this free. She can still do And it. in 20 years, because the whole system is designed for her to be like, oh, dear God, you don't still have that video of me in the garage, do you?
1: Well, and it's You know what I mean? Like, shut that down. The whole system is designed that very soon it will be made clear that there are two kids in her class who are good at music. Yes. And they'll be shunted off from the herd to have the entire musical expectations of all of our society put on their thin trembling shoulders Mm -hmm. because they are now responsible for music. Yeah. And the other ones will never have music again. Yeah. You know, like they'll just be like, well, you don't get to have this because the talented, these are the two talented ones. So you're out, you know, and that, sh- that shunting and winnowing continues and continues and continues as everybody gets older until there's like a poet laureate, you know, till there's like one, <laughs> like it's down to one person. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or till there's like, like the NBA finals. a you Nobel just... prize when There's right. like one left, you know, and, and along the way there's these casualties of all these people who never get to make art again. It's crazy yeah it's crazy and it's sad and it's and so i feel like i'm just walking around the highway like in the ditch like tapping people on the shoulder and be like you can still you can still write poems you get to draw you can sing you're all right like and and the cool thing too about big magic is you always talk about people smoking what they're selling (laughs) (laughs) like that whoever you're like whoever's bringing teaching something just make sure that like their own life is reflecting yeah what they're allegedly yeah. teaching like are they for real and the cool thing about throwing down the gauntlet of big magic is that now i have to take every creative risk mm-hmm. or else i'm so delegitimate like i i will have no legitimacy to stand there and tell people to go outside of their comfort zone and try something that's harder unless i'm doing it too so now yeah. i feel like i've doubled down on my own creativity because now People will be checking.
0: Like, and what will, uh, what will that look like?
1: Um, well, the other day it looked like having to sing karaoke in a video. Oh, that's right. I yeah, think I total saw some lips of, that. of the Heart because I went to a friend's nightclub and they had open mic karaoke, and I put my name on the list. And then people started singing, and I realized, oh, this is New York City. These are all showgirls and dancehall boys, and they can actually sing. <sighs> they can perform. really sing. So I went. I was walking. I was in the process of walking across the nightclub to my friend to say. You know what, just talking I'm, like, I'm used to doing this like in my friend's living room. I'm not doing this on the stage of the Diamond Horseshoe nightclub in midtime Manhattan. So in front <laughs> of these people who are 20. So I said as as I was walking over there, I was like, you you cannot get out of this one. No! Because you just you get every single day you're on Facebook telling people like get out of your comfort zone. Try hard or take a risk. I was like, you will. No one will know but you, and that'll be enough for you to yeah. lose your authority. So, yeah. get up on that stage and sing. So I sang it, and then I wrote about that on Facebook, and then everybody was like, "We need video evidence." So I went back the next week and did it on video and put it on YouTube forever. And like, I just thought, I can't. I have to. Otherwise, I can't ask other people to do that if I'm not. Gonna
0: it's so it. interesting to me how many decisions in any given day or week I. Moments when I know I make this decision, no one will ever see this. This is just about me keeping something alive in my heart that this is about my integrity and no one will ever know or see. And yet it's absolutely crucial that I do this and not that, whatever it is. Because it shapes you and somehow, otherwise you begin to disintegrate and splinter. Because you're like, I knew what the path was right there and I just whiffed it.
1: And would you feel then that when somebody comes to you with the devastating question, the devastating questions people come to you with, which they don't so much come to me, before, <laughs> they, for me, they just want me to tell them they're allowed to go to Italy and eat all the pizza they want. For you, they're coming with like hardship, hardship, sorrow, loss, just deep. Do you feel like if you don't take that correct, as you know, that integrated path, then you have no authority to?
0: I think people smell it. Know it? I think they smell it, and I think you, everything, you're one seamless reality, and if um, if you haven't at least been giving yourself to your path, not with perfection, but with your best, then it comes out. It just doesn't, everything doesn't, it, it feels right, it feels wrong, even when we don't know why. Like... And they talk about subcortical awareness. How do how do women seem to know when they're not safe? How can we know when somebody's lying? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't rationally explain it. And yet it's almost like our body is like this cellular radar system. We just know things. We don't know why we know them. Subcortical, pre-rational. Um, and I think there's an element, especially when you're in public and you're on a stage with a microphone, you can't fake certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you... you if there's splinting and fracturing, it comes out and people do people will just say, I don't know. Something was off mm-hmm. or, or I'm there is. A, or yeah, exactly. I, mm-hmm. I think, actually, I think when we go, yeah. when we listen to people, I think we're hunting, we're always asking for authority. Mm-hmm. The rabbis have this phrase "shmika," which is the person you listen to because they have authority, which is a very mystical. There is some, I think what we're always looking for is who has authority here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's academic, sometimes it's experience. Sometimes it's, just this there's something true about this
1: you know what i have found with the eat pray love experience which is really fascinating is about this sensitivity to it's so amazing to me like i'll sit in the book signing line for an hour and people will file through and somebody will come up to me and they will say these exact words they'll say you probably hear this all the time I don't have anything creative or interesting way to say this, but I just want to tell you that your book changed my life. Mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I will start to cry. Yeah, It's true. I've heard that before. It's true that I heard that yeah. like already that night. It's true. But something. It's so moving every the time. Way that, not every time because six people down, uh-huh. another person will come up and say the exact same oh, thing. Oh, Oh say, yeah. Yeah. You probably hear this all the time. And I don't have an original creative way to say this but your book changed my life and my reflex will be to call security and change my phone number and never see, cause there's something so creepy about that person and the person and it's, the script is the same, yeah. but one person brought something, some sort of energy to me that was like so tender and open and heartfelt and beautiful and real and difficult for her to say. And like, I just want to like fold her in my arms. And the other one it's trying to take something from me by saying the same words. It's so weird. So I've just come to get this really and I think that's the authenticity that you're talking about. Yes. Um, some one of them is really scary and the other one is really beautiful, but it's the same language. It's yeah. just where their, I don't know, where their core is at that night, or where what our thing with each other yeah, is. Yeah. Or you when know, I was um,
0: first um in seminary, I had a preaching class from the Reverend William Pennell, who marched in civil rights, like this legendary African-American preacher. He would have been 70s at that point. And I had this small group of us studied with him, studied preaching with him. And we would give turn, take turns giving these sermons, and then we would sit in a small circle, and we would critique each other. Mm-hmm. And we, it was all sort of a polite club. Like, that was nice. I guess you could strengthen here. It, it, people were really like... You were kind of way too nice to each other because you didn't really have deep bonds with these other students. Yeah. And one time a guy gave a sermon, and it was very boring. It was like, it was really boring. Like, I, I would, don't inflict that on any group. And so people are doing their sort of polite stuff. Dr. Pinnell gets up and he walks around the table to this guy, reaches over and picks up the guy's manuscript and clears his throat and then begins to read this guy's manuscript it is important as we reflect upon this topic <laughs> and he starts to d- and it's got like
1: you gets so going much nice soul, soul. Ready to and like- it's
0: so and like all of a sudden wow. this thing that was is like watching paint dry and it was like it was i remember i was 23 oh there's the words and then there's the heart and soul and bones and tissue and Wow. gravitas and passion and there's this all this oh, other so stuff cool. and then anybody can read the words on the page but there's this there's soul there's this whole world that's un, that undergirds the words and that's the juice.
1: That's the big magic. <laughs> that's the big magic. That's big magic. Oh, there we that's go. It. That's it. Available this
0: uh, available. September whatever Amazon. Fine after books, after are you
1: already, um, um, that's that's it. And that is the path of authenticity versus the path of originality, which is something I feel like I just pronounced originality wrong. Did I originality? Original that just sounded. I like the way you did it. Is it? It is original. No, you weren't right? freestyling. That's fine. Boy, did that just sound? You like were speaking so American. Not even a word. Um, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just had a little meltdown there. But, you know, I feel like another thing that stops people often, especially really intelligent people who are really well-read or really, you know, who have really good taste and are really excited that what stops people from making their own art is they feel like they're so afraid it's not going to be original enough, it's not going to be new. Um, Like T.S. Eliot saying, make it new. You know, that was always his thing. But my hero, Jack Gilbert, my favorite poet, no relation to me.
0: Love what you talked about in the book about him. So amazing. One of my
1: spiritual godfathers, he said well, make it new is all very well and good, but why? Um, How about make it good? (laughs) How about make it real? How about make it emotional? If you're just trying to make it new, you know, um, unless you're really on the cutting edge of, unless you're Bob Dylan in 1962, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to make again and again and again a thing that other people have made. That's craft, right? Um, If you're making it, With your heart, if you're following your curiosity instead of your fear, if you're in love with what you're doing, if you're trying to cooperate with inspiration, it'll be original.
0: Yes. You haven't done it. Yeah. We haven't heard it from you yet. Haven't heard it. And that will be unique enough. Yeah. Man, how much fun is this? Okay. Um... So, Big Magic comes out, and mm-hmm. now there's another, besides this burgeoning karaoke career, mm-hmm. we, have to, <laughs> we have another book in the works. We have another book in the works. Yes.
1: It's about New York City theater in the 1940s. Love it. Um, I'm not going to say the name yet, because it's, 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 there's a bit of magic that's entitled. Sometimes you have to be careful. Like you got to keep it It's like, a, Couldn't it's like not telling people, well, this has never been my experience, because I'm not a mother, but... You know how people won't tell people won't, won't tell name, the name they're yeah. thinking of. It, like you don't want to jinx it. So anyway, it's um, it is a novel about New York City theater girls in the nineteen forties and female promiscuity and rich lives and um, exciting. It's it's going to be more of a farce than or hopefully. Oh, interesting. I, mean, you know I kind of want it, I kind of want it to be more of a folly. That's probably a better word. Um, signature ball all things is so serious. Um, and I enjoyed it for me it was light because I enjoyed writing it but it's some heavy themes in there and I, mm. I'd, I'd like to um, go a little lazier next
0: time <laughs> <laughs> by the way the naming thing and parents yeah twice in the past two weeks people have brought me a baby once newborn baby and we don't have a middle name could you please give us a middle name
1: what in a meet and greet line Two human being you have to give a name to a human being? That, they you were know?
0: literally like, we don't have a middle name. Could you please give us a middle name? Did you and you then uh, last did week you? in Boston after a show, the show I did with Pete Holmes, somebody in line um, wanted uh, the, white, the woman's pregnant. Could you um, tell us what we should name the baby?
1: Okay, what do you even <laughs> – what? what did you do?
0: I offer all sorts of services.
1: <laughs> did you come up with names?
0: Well, oh, what's really funny? What's really Did you just funny? Pull
1: one out of the ether.
0: Is the couple that ether? were like, we need a that we need a middle name for this baby, and the right. baby is newborn, like tiny, like uh, I don't know how in, old. In the palms. Yes, like parent. large burrito young, and <laughs> large burrito young. Please tell me that the middle name is burrito. So I just said to them, I literally gave them. I was like, I just said a name. They're like, thank you, and they walked away
1: do you even know Crucible. these I didn't.
0: I didn't tell Kristen the story. Yeah, that's what happened. What,
1: can you tell me what the name is?
0: Well, here's what's really fascinating. I said to them, I had told her it's to a boy. Me. Here's what's interesting <laughs> is the boy. It's a boy. And I said, uh, Shalom, the Hebrew word nice. for wholeness. And the woman said, oh. she said everything about this child's name. I kept saying to my husband, Om, Om, his name is a sound. Uh-huh. A, but we couldn't figure out a name for this sound, but I keep saying to him a sound, and then I say to him, Shalom. And the two of them just looked at each other, and she said that to me, and then they walked away. <laughs> That's You know what that is? That's some big magic. That's some big magic right there. Okay,
1: Rob, I have a question for you.
0: Oh, okay, great. Um,
1: can I do a little, do we have time? The Liz cast. Um, I, exactly. So... I would like to see if you could riff if I feed you this question, which is about the intersection of your area of expertise, which I think is many, but like let's for these godless, stop talking around it, just ask, I'm all about creativity, I think you're all about creation, mm. And one of the things I spend a lot of time trying to convince people is that they are constituents of creation. They are products of creation and therefore they have the right to create. Because Absolutely. you are part of this story of creation that's happening. But since I feel like I don't have the background that you have, I was wondering if you could add to this pod, Rob Gantt, about creativity. Throw in a little something about creation in there. Because I'm curious yes. what, what that stirs in you. You, this, you this just got my... wiggly like on the stage. Like, I got one. I got one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is my new book, which I just turned in the first draft on. And there's, um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And one of the things is, it's almost like there's two views of the world. The one view is the world is exists. It's... It's a fixed place, and then the metaphors we give people are then you go out into the world and make your name, make your place, find your place in it. So when you think about it in terms of location, you're here, and then you go out into the world and, make an, and do something in it. So the world is a fixed, static place. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting in um, ancient Hebrew consciousness is the world is unfinished, and you take part in the ongoing creation of the world. So it's a dynamic understanding, um, which also think about how many people subtly believe that the action is elsewhere. Mm -hmm. If I could just get out of Akron, if I could just leave Mm -hmm. wherever Arizona, I could just go to the place where sometimes you do need to move and go somewhere obviously. Mm -hmm. But in terms of people's psyches and hearts, oftentimes they're deeply convinced that their real life is, must be somewhere else instead of you get to create the world You get to create your life and you get to take part in the ongoing creation of the universe. So God's looking for partners. I actually think that's the Adam and Eve story Mm -hmm. because the name Adam in the Hebrew is Ha-Adam. It's not a proper name like Liz or Gary or Rob or Kristen. Ha-Adam means the human. Mm -hmm. So even the Adam and Eve story is a poem. It's the human and then Eve means source of living. It's about all of us. It's a story of these people are placed in the middle of this creation. What are they going to do with it? What are they going to make? So, I always begin with all of us are creating our lives, and some of the least sexy work is actually some of the most creative. So, there's always a CPA when you talk like this who's like ongoing creation of the world. I'm a CPA, I do spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. It's boring. Well, wait, 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 wait. Bringing order and structure to things is like without it, they fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Jack White travels with an accountant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you two has five accountants on the road. Like, all the great art that you've seen that's just sort of... Um, there's somebody somewhere making sure that it has form and structure and continuity. Otherwise, it falls apart. So, mm-hmm. when we wonder, why isn't so-and-so still making movies? It's probably because they didn't surround themselves with somebody. Okay. So, I see it all as creative work. i got
1: to tell you story that I've never told before. <laughs> so, when I... When I e, Pray, Love went kaboom... And all of a sudden, I got a paycheck that was like, "What?" Yes, is that I'm working at the flea market on weekends selling.
0: You weren't making that money selling <laughs> bracelets. <laughs>
1: no, no one makes. I mean, it was just, the, and I it was sc- it was amount of money that was scary yeah. to me. Um, and my accountant, my CPA, my accountant Ernie, who I love, who is one of the most grace-filled human beings I've ever met in my entire life, who I have known for 15 years, and every single time I've ever spoken to him. He picks up the phone, and I say, Ernie Marshall, how are you doing? He said, I've never been better in my life. That is how he answers the phone, no matter what is going on. Oh, inside. so fantastic. And he said, he said to me recently, I said, Ernie, you always say that. He goes, well, you know, every day has two miraculous moments, every day. And, and I said, what are those? He goes, well, there's the moment that you wake up, and you realize you've been given another chance. And there's the moment that you go to sleep, and you realize you get to put it all behind you, whatever mistakes you made. So every <sighs> this day. This is your accountant? my accountant. Um, so when people say like oh this career doesn't have grace or this career doesn't have Mm. you know i always think of him he came with me he came with me literally holding my hand when i went into a meeting to talk to some guys with eighty thousand dollar watches who wanted to tell me what to do with this money that i was scared of and he sat there next to me and he said to them and they were like kind of like dogpiling on me (laughs) to get this and this was like five minutes before the stock market crash, by the way. And, um, <laughs> uh-huh. like, we walked out of the door and stop. <laughs> <I But anyway, laughs> he, this man, CPA, like it is the, that is the profession that people use as an example of like a soul is boring. Like the right. accountant is literally the thing that is like the joke in a movie about somebody who doesn't. Yes. Soul right. Order, right. Right. He sat there with me and they were, he could see they were dogpiling on me. He could see I was like out of my room. He could see I didn't know what was going on. And he said to these guys, fellas, can I, can I just intervene here for a second? I just want to introduce myself about who I am. So, my name's Ernie Marshall, and Liz has been my client for 15 years, and I've seen her through a lot of stuff, and we're really good friends, and I have really maternal feelings toward her. ma oh, My, oh. Maternal. Maternal. This is like a powerful heterosexual man who grew up in the Lower East Side of New York City. Yeah. He said, I have very maternal feelings toward her, and. I just want you to know that my reason for being in this room is to protect her. And like, that was one of the most graceful, Mm -hmm. elegant, Mm -hmm. beautiful, loving Mm -hmm. moments of my entire life. Mm -hmm. So can you bring grace to any line of work? Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like what an act of God that was. Like what an act of creation that was. Love that man. Two, Two miracles a day. You wake up. You get a new chance, you go to sleep, you, you get, get to put, put it behind
0: you. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people see art as, oh, that's nice for painters or such. And so I'm always interested in, we're all creating the life and we're all, oh, even the number of moms who are like, well, I don't really do anything. Well, wait, you brought new human beings into the world. That's a fairly creative act. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's Arguably about the most the first act of created, yeah, which yeah. we're all dependent on literally. Right. So... That's When I think about creativity, to me, it's linked to creation. It's just linked to this dynamic view of the world versus this static, already set place, and then you just sort of stumble around in it. Mm-hmm. And, when I, and the reason why I find this really interesting is when I do these events with business people and entrepreneurs and activists, it's fascinating to me how many really successful people have built structures and businesses and offices full of people that report to them that have deep down developed a passive, um, this thing is happening to me. I've got all these employees. i gotta, you, I got to show up each day. Wait, wait, wait. Who hired them? Mm-hmm. Who decided this company needed 100 employees? Mm-hmm. Like who made this? You made it. And how often people end up with a world has been created that they created, but then they're victims of
1: it. Well, they feel like they got caught in a tornado and they forget they were the tornado. They
0: were the tornado. Like, wait, wait, wait. What kind of life do you want to create here? Most people, in my experience, have way more power than they realize. Mm -hmm. Because many people are like, no, 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 you don't understand. I have to go to this job. I have to live this life. Hold on, hold on. You can always find some area where, no, no, you're more empowered than you think you are. Um, and all it takes is one little moment of light and liberation and people are on a whole new path. One, That's of my, one of the
1: things that makes me saddest to watch is powerful people pretending to be powerless.
0: Yes. Um, yes. You've worked too hard to feel this way. And I
1: always want to like hold up a mirror about that and say like, really, really, really? Right. Really? <laughs> yes,
0: Exactly. Exactly. Really? Exactly. We have You're way more power Korea. than we realize.
1: <laughs> You're not in North Korea. Correct. You're like, what there's no options. There's no options. Really?
0: You have um, way more power than you realize. And there. It
1: wants to work with you. All right, man. God's looking for partners. Oh
0: I love that line. God's looking for partners. I think that was Heschel, maybe. God's That's looking the great for Heschel.
1: partners is maybe the view of creation and my view of, of inspiration is absolutely creativity is absolutely. for collaborators and
0: i picked that up in big magic for sure i was like oh yes this is a fantastic way of saying this because you essentially the universe is on your side when you're making what you're making
1: and just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's not trying to help you
0: oh goodness
1: no don't get world. mad at it it's doing his best <laughs> it's doing his best
0: it's on your side okay
1: <laughs> how much
0: seriously kristen bell how much fun was this no. Okay, Big Magic, you can pre-order it now. I have a feeling that Liz may be back on the Robcast at some point in the future.
1: Yay!
0: Um, and um, and I and Signature of All Things is the novel that we discussed at great length, which I can't even begin to tell you how highly I recommend that. And um, brothers and sisters, I will talk again to you soon. Grace and peace be with you all.